Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. Thank you for joining This Humana Life today in the studio. Uh, We have Chris Cook. Could you kind of give us a little bit of an overview of your career and what brought you to Humana? And you are an actuarial analyst, correct? Yes. Uh, You got to put the two in there, actuarial analyst too. Oh, and the two. Yep. A little bit of both. Level up. Level up. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So I, I, I began my career actually as a minister. Uh, So I did that for six years. And then when I was looking to do a career change, um, I knew I wanted to do something math based because back in high school, I was really good at math. I didn't even have to try. And I would. Lucky you. Yeah. Don't mean to brag, but (laughs) do mean to brag. (laughs) But uh, like I, I really believe that everyone is given talents and they're given talents for a reason and I always just kind of laugh like why in the world do I have this talent for math because I don't really care about it I'm never really going to use it and uh but now I know why (laughs) so (laughs) when I was like I was like okay well you know I looked at being a like a math teacher uh but um uh, I looked into the actuarial field Uh, a friend of mine is an actuary here so I contacted him and we talked some about it and I had my wife go to the library and buy some math textbooks for me. To <laughs> <laughs> not buy them, but rent them, rent them. check them Do out, well. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I started like doing this and then I went, uh, took a few classes uh, to just kind of refresh my, my brain a little bit. And, uh, and here I am. Well, so did you apply for a, a job in, in the actuarial space to get to Humana? Is this your first actuarial yes. job? This is my first actuarial job, yes. Uh, and Humana was really where I wanted to end up. Uh, I really, the, the whole philosophy of uh, that we're really a health and wellness company that happens to provide insurance, I really liked that attitude. Um, and so I really wanted to come here. And I interviewed at a few places, but this is where I wanted to end up. So why did you change from the ministry to, uh, to the corporate world of Humana? Well, um, because I am not a politician. <laughs> uh, I, went, I went into the ministry because I really wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And when I got into it, I realized that I felt like I was about 75% politician, 25% uh, help, helping people. And I just, I, I didn't like that. And um, I've actually found that uh that I've been able to help people more in the corporate world than I could in the ministry. And so I always joke with people, I had to quit working at a church and go to an insurance company to feel like I was making a positive difference in the world. (laughs) 
So how would you describe the overall mission and goals of your business area? Kind of give us the explain like I'm five version of actuaries. Or just what is an actuary? Right. I feel like we ask this question a lot. Well, <laughs> yeah, because my definition will clearly is, is not mitigate risk. It's got to be more than that. Yeah. So I have the answer for you that you can take with you and you can always answer with this. And uh, it's just three words. We're uh, wizard of odds. So, I like it. <laughs> so we, uh, but basically what an actuary does is we, we study risk. We study the statistics in, in risk, uh, the financial implications of it. And, uh, and then as a result, we make recommendations, we report on, on things going on uh, it, in order to, uh, to maximize profit, to maximize the goals of the business. Can you... Um so who do you all report up to on the management team? So it's. It depends on what department okay. you're in. Um, it, it, it Really, we're all over. Uh, I would say most of the actuaries, um, I could be wrong on this, but I think most report up through uh, the finance part uh, okay. through Brian Kane. OK. Um, but there's uh, they're they're all over. Okay, because one of the things we are trying to do is just bring more education and attention to the different parts of the business mm -hmm. and how who, you know connects. how it, how it all connects and who rolls up to which part of the management team and just because I think a lot of us don't know. So yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. And isn't test taking a really big part of being an, an actuary to keep continually learning? Or do I have a misconception? Are you trying to depress me? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, honest I just I know they're really tough tests. And, yes. And uh, yes, they successes are. should be celebrated. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of exams to pass to to get your credential. And then once you get your first credential, it's called your ASA, which is a uh, associate in the Society of Actuaries. Then uh, you can take more exams to get your FSA, which is your fellowship in the Society of Actuaries. Uh, the exams are very, very, very hard. They have a pass rate of probably, I think most of them are around like 40% of people pass them. Um, so they're, <laughs> and, and these are people who are really good at math. So. <laughs> Sounds very tough, but like a secret society of like math wizards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he brought up wizard, so Which is I was the just of the yeah, wizard of I was just sticking That's with right. that. <laughs> um, so uh, another fun fun fact is you you help lead leadership symposium. Can you share a little bit about how you became involved? Yeah, the leadership symposium was going on before I came to Humana. Um, and when I first came to Humana, leadership development has always been a big passion of mine. And when I was looking at how to get involved, someone had mentioned that to me, and I thought that sounded interesting. So I started showing up. Uh, we met in a meeting room. There was probably maybe 20 people there. And uh, we uh, typically would take a leadership-based book and go through the book together. And then it had, it, had its ups and lows. And um, unfortunately, a, a couple years ago, the guy who was leading it at the time um, was uh, uh, he was laid off from Humana and he uh, towards the end he was saying well I guess this is the end of the leadership symposium and I, I spoke up right then and I'm like no it's not if I, uh, I'll take over if I have to and that's what ended up happening and you had to 
because I had to. <laughs> I couldn't let it dissolve. I, I loved it. I was really passionate about it and loved it too much to see it just go away. I dial in on it on Friday, and it's incredible the content that you have and the people that you just ask them to to step up to the plate if they're interested in sharing a idea on leadership or whatever they are gifted or skilled at and and you've had some fantastic presenters and and I have to kind of think back on how did I I think I heard about it and so I did go slash learning or I went on buzz I did something that allowed me to ask to be invited and uh and then therefore now I'm, I'm on a rote you know the recurrence but is that how I did it or how does one get on yeah, there, there's a few different ways. Um, probably the most informal way that would work is sending me an email. Mm -hmm. um, I just keep a, a list in, in my Outlook on it. And so uh, whenever someone sends me an email and says, hey, I'd like to be on it, I just stick their name on that list and then forward them the, the meeting series. So that's the simplest way. Uh, going to go slash leadership symposium is our SharePoint site. And going to that, there, there's a button you can click to uh, register for the series. But all that does is it pre-populates an email to me. So you click on that, and there's an email saying, please sign me up. <laughs> and, and then it emails to me. And when I get around to it, I, uh, I forward it on to you. What are uh, some of the topics that happen or that are discussed during Leadership Symposium? And what time is Leadership Symposium at? Well, the time it's uh, for the Eastern time zone here, it's 11 o'clock uh, every Friday morning. It, we last, it uh, lasts for an hour, uh, but you know sometimes people call in late. Some people have to drop off, but they just uh, a lot of people just come in to, uh, just to listen to what, whatever they can. Uh, most people do uh, dial in for the whole hour, but some people maybe just a half hour, wh whatever they can. What was the other part of your question? What what kind of topics are the discussed? Topics, yes. Or can you share also about your thoughts on having leadership training before becoming a leader? Yes. Uh, and that's what I really like about it is that uh, we, we attract a lot of people who are not in a leadership position. I myself am not in technically in a leadership position here in Humana. This is about the most leadership uh, I, I'm in. I've never had a direct report or anything, but I'm very passionate about starting that leadership before you're, uh, before you're a leader. And I think of it like, uh, like exponential growth. And you think uh, like compounding interest when you're investing money, the earlier you invest, the better because of that exponential growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you can do all kinds of different like experiments with that and see it. It's, it's truly amazing how much someone has, how long they have to catch up if they just start like a few years later of investing. And it's the same with, with leadership, I think. I think when you're investing while you're uh, not quite in that leadership position or while you're younger, I was passionate about when I was a teenager, uh, then it really, it, uh, it really helps you become a stronger leader uh, later on. So it's time well worth investing. And you asked about some of the topics. Uh, yeah. Some of the topics that uh, so, some of my favorite ones um, are like time management stuff. Uh, I'm in a department that is super, super busy. So time management is is great stuff for me. I love when people present on on that. Uh, creating uh, habits. I love habit stuff. When I first joined the Leadership Symposium, a book that we went through was The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And that has become one of my favorite books I've, I've ever read. 
it's really powerful, all the psychology behind habits and how you can uh, play with your own psychology in order to develop habits or break habits that you want to break. You are listening to This Humana Life with co-hosts Tara DeLucia, Carmen Pantoja Evans, Brittany Lemaire, and our special guest. Be sure to text THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile or share with us on Yammer at go slash THL. How long does it take to make or break a habit? Typically, what do they say? They... Yeah, in I was quotes, on, say yeah. like 21 days, but um, the I guess psychology has said it's that's that's just a made up day. Okay. <laughs> and so you had previously mentioned you became interested in leadership as a teenager. Can you share or expand a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so when I was a teenager, I I was in the Boy Scouts and earned my Eagle Scout. I was involved with everything I could in in school. Uh, I was uh, became president of our FCA at school. It's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, I was also in an organization called the Civil Air Patrol, which is an auxiliary of the Air Force. It uh, specializes in search and rescue uh, because the government did some tests and found out that uh, the way that an adolescent mind works, that they, if they're properly trained, they can do better uh, search and rescues than adults can. Uh, so it was, uh, that was really neat. Yeah. But they, um, there was, you know, leadership development all through all of that. And I just loved seeing how someone who just, who has strong leadership can make a difference in people's lives and people become better people and they have better lives and the world is a better place because of good leaders. Boy Scouts of America, Eagle Scout. I mean, that's the top. Yes. It really is. So you have to have certain projects that you have uh, created, supported, completed, finished in order to achieve your Eagle uh, Scout. Yes. So what did you do? I uh, landscaped a nursing home. That was my big project. <laughs> so uh, what? And uh, one of the uh, adult leaders that I had told me something. It's one of those things that you never forget in leadership. And he told me as, as you're planning this project, it's not the project itself. It's the leadership of the project is what you're being tested on. And he said, your leadership should be so strong in this that you don't even have to show up and the project would get done. And I've always thought of that. Like, I should be empowering people enough that if I don't even show up, it gets done. And I will say I this that. past Friday in the leadership symposium, I had an important meeting at the same time that I could not even call in a leadership symposium. So, you know, we set it up to where I wouldn't have to. It just so happens my other meeting only lasted three minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I called in anyway, but I stayed in the background. I didn't say anything. Um, uh, uh, and I just listened as like an old, old fashioned participant. And it, it was just neat to watch this leadership symposium that that's my baby yeah. and just watch it go without me doing anything. So if, if true, le- you know, proper leadership, true leadership, we're, we're trying to stand things up so that they could run successfully on their own. What types of things, what types of skills, what should be put into place so that can happen? Cause I feel like some of us are probably listening going, Oh, give, you know, like give it fully away or let somebody else manage it. That's scary. 
And I think that is the skill that leaders need to develop is trust. Trust. I think trust is the big key to that. Because if a leader does not trust their uh, th- their followers, then they can become a micromanager. Uh, the, it's really easy to perceive when someone doesn't trust you, who uh, like your leader, your boss. And so when, when there's not that trust, work doesn't get done the way that it's supposed to get done. And there's uh, there's like a wall that's built between you. But when there's trust and someone, if a leader tells their uh, person reporting to them, this is your project, um, just come back to me whenever you're done with it. And, you know, I'm here if you need me. That was actually one of my, like, one of the big points in my leadership career was when I had a leader who said, just do it. And I'm like, well, let me just, and she said, no, just do it. And she did it because she wanted me to take ownership. And of course I could bring it to her and like bouncing off, bounce things off of her if needed. But it was the most empowering thing that I've, I've had done by a leader because she just wanted me to run with it. She trusted me, she empowered me. And now I can give that gift to my associates too, that, you know, I trust you. And guess what? Nobody's dying. So if, if you mess up, We'll, we'll fix it and we'll start new. You know, it, we're not in a life or death situation, so it's okay to fail. Just fail fast and let's let's move forward. Yep. So, Absolutely. It, it, it seems as though just from early on you were groomed to be a leader. And so it surprises me you don't have direct reports, but truly, you know, we all lead. We learned that today during a... Um, during one of our other recordings. And so I know that... So you originally... What was your undergrad? Do you have your Master's of Divinity? Uh, no, I uh, my my degree is a Bachelor of Science in Biblical Studies. Okay, interesting. So did you go to the seminary in Louisville? No, I went to uh, Cincinnati Christian University. Okay, just curious. Very good. Well, and as, as you were speaking and talking about, you know, leaders needing to uh, develop this trust, do you have any advice for associates and ways that we can facilitate these conversations with our leaders? That's a tough one. That is a really good question. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, we're, we're in the season of taking those uh, those engagement surveys, and then every team has to go over the results of the surveys. So hopefully, like, uh, when people are listening to this, then that meeting might be coming up pretty soon afterwards. And I think it's important for leaders when they're leading that meeting to say, uh, I, I want to know what, what we can do to do this and get the, just get the discussion going. And I'll also say if the leader says that and no one responds, that might be a sign that there is a lack of trust. Right. So what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career with a human or even before that? The, the, that question's easy. <laughs> to take ownership of of my own career, there's a uh, uh, people might be familiar with Jim Rohn. He is a uh, he's a leadership guru, uh, has a lot of good stuff out there. But he has a quote, uh, and I'll try to say this right, but I might be paraphrasing. <laughs> but he said, um, he says, uh, take take control of uh, of the plans for your life. Otherwise, you fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. People are always looking out for themselves. That's good. And even if they care about you, they're still Mm -hmm. 99% of the time going to be looking out for themselves before they're looking out for you. 
So you're falling under their life plan. And and although that sounds kind of um, like, man, that's not very nice, but but it's it's for it's real. It's true. You it's for real. Yeah. And no one knows you better than yourself. That's true. Very true. And studying stuff like that. I don't want someone who's following me. I, d- I don't want them to fall into my plan for them. I want them to fall into their plan for them. And that's one of my big passions in life is to help people discover what that plan is. And it it might be something that I think is really wacky, but <laughs> that's okay because that's their plan. And that's it for this episode. But the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.